morning, church. Man, that was so good. Welcome to Kingsway. If you're visiting with us, we're really glad you're here. <clears throat> it's a special Sunday. We're just kind of look back a little bit at last year and look forward to what God is doing next year. And I thought it'd be really good for us just to get together and tell some um, ghost stories. But these are a different kind of ghost stories than maybe the way you're used to. Instead of sitting around a campfire, this is some holy ghost stories. What I mean is like, what has God been up to? So maybe that's, that's <clears throat> sorry, best place for us to start. What did God do in 2021 in your life? Do you have a story? Here's how you can usually know the activity of God. Here's what I say. If it's too ironic to be ironic, it was probably God. If things are happening, God's pulling pieces together, a conversation from out of nowhere, you have these thoughts in your head about talking to a certain person. All of a sudden, you run into them somewhere. If you've been praying about something, you aren't sure how it's going to get resolved, and it gets resolved, and something happens, a conversation, a financial piece, or something, like God is up to good in your life. And here's what I know. God is always at work in the world, Always. Before any of us popped up on the scene and long after any of us are here, God will still be at work in the world. So the question is, are we paying attention? We have our little antennas up. Are we tuned in to what God is doing? One of my friends, I call him a mentor, whatever, he goes here. His name is Steve Rode. I don't know if you know Steve Rode. If you don't, you're missing out. And if you do, you know what I'm talking about. I joke with my wife, I want to be Steve Rode when I grow up. And uh, Steve goes to our church, and he also is a businessman. He owns a number of different um, little businesses. And one of the things he likes to do is he likes to buy houses, go in, knock out a bunch of walls, renovate the house, and then rent it out or flip it or whatever. And uh, I love to stop by because I love the creative process. So I like to go in, like, Steve, what are you doing? Like, tell me what you're doing with this wall. And we're going to go over here. Where's the kitchen going to go? And I just like, to, just kind of love that process. And he loves, every time I show up, Steve loves to go, oh, Matt, do you have time for a story? And then we'll just sit down, and he'll start to tell me about another story. And another story. And I was over here the other day and I was doing this thing and God opened this door. And wasn't that cool? Can't you see God's hand all over that? Now there's this guy who works with Steve and uh, he happened to be a mutual friend of ours and, and one of our staff members, Lyndon. And he's um, a little bit older in life and he has not yet given his life to the Lord. Now his wife did and she got baptized here not too long ago. And he knows I'm talking about him if he just happens to be tuning in today. But we're constantly telling these God stories in front of him. And our hope is that as we tell these God stories, that he'll see life isn't just happening. It's not just an accident. That God is very much, very intentionally active and engaged in the world today. Do you see him? Do you know? Could you text a friend and even say, man, I just want to celebrate. Last year, God did this thing, and I know it was God. If you don't have a story, I would suggest to you, it's because you aren't paying attention. It's not because he isn't at work. Can I tell you a couple Holy Ghost stories real quick? All right, so here's one. So I'm sitting in a meeting, and there's a little bit of a lull in the meeting, and all of a sudden my phone pops up, and I get a notification. I look at the notification, and it's an email from somebody. And you know, that little notification on the front of your phone, it doesn't say much. But it basically says, dear Matt, here's who I am. I was really hoping you'd have time to meet with me this week. Well, it's pretty rare for me to have any time to meet with somebody that quickly, but I opened it up. It just happens to be from a local pastor. Now, I was just, that morning, I believe, it's a couple months back now, uh, I was just in a meeting that morning talking about our vision as a church. And one of the things we said is we want to pour into not just Kingsway. This is not just about the 10th and Dan Jones. We want to pour into the kingdom of God. We want to be a church that invests in that. And what's happened over the last year or so is as we set that as our goal and mission, God has opened doors to make that a reality. So I've sat with pastors over the last year who've gone through really difficult times in their marriage, or I've sat with pastors and encouraged them in the mission and faith that God has for their church. Pastors all around this community, and sometimes even bigger, more across the United States. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And I love being a part of a church that allows me to do that. So I'm sitting there, I get this email, and there's a, again, there's a lull in the meeting. I think there's a break or something. So I write the guy real quick, and I say, you know, I don't know how, how soon you need to meet or whatever. And he says, the sooner the better, man, I'm, I'm just really needing help. And somebody told me to talk to you. Never met this guy in my life. Don't know him. I said, okay. I said, tell you what, I just happened to have time at lunch today. Can you be here this time? I'll have my assistant buy us lunch. We'll meet in my office, but I only have an hour. And he's like, man, I'll take it. I'll take anything you got. I was like, all right, come in. So he comes in and while he's on his way here, my next appointment cancels. That's right after him. So he shows up and I say to him, I said, look, man, God's got an ordained appointment for us today. I don't know what it is we need to deal with, but God has planned on us to meet today. So relax, take your time, let's talk. Over the next couple hours, he opens his heart. He shares a bunch of stuff that I'm not gonna share with you. He's weeping, he's crying, he's meeting the Lord. We meet again, we meet again, we meet again. 
I text with him. I share phone calls with him. It is so obvious to me that God is in it and that God connected my story and what I've been through uniquely to his story and what he's been through and that God brought us together so that I could pour into him. And it comes a point after about three or four of these meetings, he looks at me and he says, I literally can't repay you. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, like I don't have the money to repay you. And I, I said, well, you couldn't afford me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, you don't need to because my church buys into the vision that we want to see healthy churches all across our community in the world. And anything we can do to partner with others and help them get healthy, we want to do that. So you don't owe me a dime. You could just thank my church and tell them thank you for freeing up your pastor and some of his time to be able to pour in others. And he said, please, please tell your church thank you on my behalf. So church, thank you for being the kind of church that wants to see that happen. Can we just stop and say thank you to God? We also just texted this past week. It's like, when are we getting together again? So here's another one. I'm sitting in a meeting. There's a lull in the meeting, and I get an email on my phone. I think I'm seeing a pattern. I'm going to get 1,000 emails now after this weekend. Anyway, and this next email, I open it up, and it's another pastor. And it says, would you happen to have any time to talk? Same kind of story, same kind of situation. I respond. There's a break. People are going to the bathroom. And I respond, hey, I don't really have time right now, but you know, what if I call you at the end of my workday? He says, fine. So we set up a phone call, and I call him. The reason that he found me is because they went through a, a moral failure in their church leadership, and uh, he was looking for help, and he didn't know where to go. So he just happened to Google, and he happened to find a video of me from, uh, I think it was nine years ago this year. I praise God that it was nine years ago this year, but I hate that everything in the past lives on the internet, unfortunately. He happened to find an, uh, an interview with me and the local media. Now, some of you who don't know what we're talking about are like, ooh, I'm going to go look. Well, if you desire to. But he was reaching out to me and said, can you help me? And I said, absolutely. So we talked to talk to talk to talk to talk. We did the end of a very long conversation. I'm spouting out all the little wisdom that I have, which is not much. But here's what I went through. Here's what I learned. Here's what I would coach you on. Here's what I would say. And I get to the end of it and say, buddy, how is your heart? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, who's holding up your arms in the battle? Sound familiar? And he starts to kind of hem and haw, like, you know, I've got these people, and I talked to them, I said, no, no, none of those are deep enough, sufficient enough. Who is holding up your arms? And he said, if I'm just going to be really honest with you, you asked me the question, and the truth is, I don't think I have an answer. And I said, I am launching a group for pastors to pour my life into, and it starts in January of this year, and I want you to pray about being in that group. He was in that group. We met last week, myself and three other pastors. We're hoping a fourth one will be able to join us. Had to cancel last minute. And I went to Naples, Florida last week. A generous member of our church let us use their house, and um, it was glorious. I played pickleball in 60 to 70 degree weather while you guys were in six and seven degree weather, and I do not feel guilty. And I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours praying and preparing to pour into these pastors' lives. And at the end of the retreat, this gentleman said, I see God's hand all over this. I just happen to do a Google search and I just happen to find a church in our brotherhood. I just happen to be in church in Indiana and I just happen to send an email and I thought I'll never hear from this guy maybe once in a while. He's probably got a couple things on his plate that aren't related to me and you have to reach out to me that day and did a phone call and invite me into this group and I'm so thankful to God. Church, thank you. Yeah. Some of you are like, I want a story like that. Well, you can have one. It only takes each of us saying yes to what God has placed in front of us. Imagine what your life would be like if when God prompts you, you don't just say, huh, I wonder, I wish I could meet that need. Imagine if you just stepped into it and said, God, I don't know what you're doing in the world, but I know you're doing something. I don't know where you're active or where you want to use me, but I know that you want to. So God, I'm just going to keep saying Yes, I'm going to say yes to making meals to people when they're going through a hard time. I'm going to say yes to taking somebody to coffee when I know that they're carrying a load. I'm going to say yes to texting a message or giving a phone call to a friend. I'm going to say yes to serving a kid's ministry or somewhere else. I'm going to just keep saying yes. And now imagine a church that has said yes. What would that look like? Well, we told you a year ago, we have this vision for what we want to be and where we want to go as a church. And we told you, we've got some benchmarks. Like we want to see this many people show up in attendance. We want to see this many people serving. And we want to see this many people connected to small groups. And we want to see this many people give their lives to Jesus. 
whatever it is. And we set some numbers. We told you, here's our goal. Now we're gonna go after it. We're gonna try to launch ministries and, and opportunities to make that a reality. But you know what we can't control? The fruit. I'm totally out of control and I hate it as a leader. About 13 things went wrong in my retreat last week and I kept saying, I'm really trying to be in control of this retreat that I'm leading, but it's driving me crazy because God keeps messing up my plans. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And this is what it's like when you walk with the Lord. I make my plans, the Lord determines the steps. So I say, okay, we'll go your way. Well, what I wanna do is I wanna share a video with you that looks back over last year. And what you're gonna see is three things in this video. It was our goal, whether we hit the goal or came close to the goal, and then our goal for this year. So you're gonna be processing a lot of information. We'll clap at the end, right? We're gonna clap like crazy at the end. It's gonna be awesome. Don't clap throughout it. You might miss something because there's some really cool points of celebration throughout this video. Let's take a look. Stop and say, thank you, God. Now, the reason why numbers are powerful is because we don't live and die by numbers. As a church, our mission is to become more like Jesus. That's how we know we succeed. But did you know there's actually a text in the Bible in Acts chapter two where we were told 3,000 people were baptized in the same day? Somebody was counting the people. And all the accountants in the room would go, praise God, somebody counted the people. The engineers are like, how in the world could they have pulled out baptizing 3,000 people? I think we'd have to carry the one. And anyway, the point is people are represented by numbers, right? People are represented by numbers. Otherwise, a number is just a number. It's just a statistic. But each of those numbers represents a life that was invested in or changed for the glory of God. Now, what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of the Bible. Open your Bible, if you will. If you don't know how to use it, not a big deal. If you use a digital Bible, totally fine. It'll all be on the screen here. Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine. And I want you to walk through this with me and see what God has in store for us today and really for this whole year. In Luke nine, verse one, it says, when Jesus called the 12 together. So the 12 were out doing other things. They might've been back visiting family. They could have been out doing regular business things or perhaps specific duties they had as they were part of the disciples. We don't know. But Jesus calls them together to have a little powwow, right? And it says, he, Jesus, gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And this is powerful because they've seen Jesus do this. I didn't write this down. I can't remember exactly how many chapters are in the book of Luke. I want to say it's like 28 chapters. I can't remember now. But we're at chapter nine, regardless. So we're roughly a third of the way into the book. Now, what does that tell you? Jesus' story is not done being written. He's not done doing ministry. He's not died on the cross. He's not rose from the dead. There's a lot left to do. And yet, he says to the disciples, you're ready. Now, we know when we track all the gospel books together, Jesus' ministry lasted roughly three and a half years. So wherever we are in Luke chapter nine, perhaps 18 months in or so, they're halfway into their journey of discipleship. If you remember, right before Jesus is arrested, he says, there are so many more things I need to tell you, but I don't have time now. The Holy Spirit will have to reveal them later. That's powerful because if he's at that point, another year and a half or so later, how much little do they know at this point? Have you ever let that sink in? We read texts like this, we think, oh, it's the disciples, they know everything. They don't know everything, but they've seen Jesus do a lot of things. They've been asking a lot of questions and they've learned a lot. 
And so Jesus says, you're ready enough, so go. And then he says in verse three, and he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt. Y'all gonna be the stinky disciples, just go out and tell people about me. And people will be like, oh, there's those stinky disciples again. We know who they are, they're with Jesus. Now, this is powerful because you may read this and go, this is weird. No, this is powerful because Jesus just said, get out of here, go. Don't go prepared. What do you mean don't go prepared? You don't need anything. What do you mean you don't need anything? You don't need clothes, you don't need your staff, you don't need a change of clothes, you don't need a bag, you don't even need money. Now, when I am in my flesh and not in the spirit, I'm trying to solve all my own problems in my flesh and not in the spirit. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's stripping away the flesh from the disciples. I'm gonna take everything out of your hands that makes you feel like you are in control and I'm going to be in control. And so you're gonna go and I will be in you. I will be with you. My name, my authority will be in you and you will succeed because God will provide. In other words, you have everything you need because you are the resource. Kind of thought somebody might go, woo. <laughs> Thank you. One person after I told you. No, no credit. No credit. Maybe on the next one. Come on now, seriously. When was the last time you were anxious about something that you felt God was calling you to do? And the reason you were anxious is because you didn't feel like you were good enough. You didn't feel like you had enough. You didn't feel like you knew enough. You didn't feel like whatever. If I just had more money, if I just had a bigger place, if I just had more training, if I just had more time, if I just, if I just, if I just, if I just, and God's going, you have everything you need. One of the guys that is in that group, Peter, and first Peter actually literally writes, you have everything you need for life and godliness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's almost like he learned a lesson that day and wrote it down for everybody to get. You have everything you need. So it says they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. It worked. That's the crazy part. It actually worked. Who would have thought that it could have worked? Why did it work? It worked because God was in them. Is God calling you to a particularly unique challenge right now? And you feel overwhelmed, uneducated, ill-equipped, ill-experienced, and yet you're still convicted that God is calling you? I'll tell you what, that's, that's called Ministry. I'm yet to be given an assignment from God that I feel qualified for. In fact, every time I start to feel qualified for a certain role that God has me in, he changes my role. And I don't know if that's just my life experience, but it's almost like God refuses to let me depend on me. He is adamant that I am going to need to fully lean into him so that I can get all that I need, draw it from him, drink deeply from him, and that on the overflow of that, give it away to others. What would it look like in 2022 if we were a church filled with people who were being like that? If we were a church filled with people who were seeking after God and just saying yes to whatever he was calling us to do? I gotta tell you, we sat down as a leadership last year. We got together, the executive team, and then we took it to the elders, took the leadership team, and just started praying and saying, what would God have us do in 2022? Hey, that rhymed. What would God have us do in 2022? And we've asked Brett, our executive pastor, to capture this for you. So I'm gonna let him tell it to you through his own words. Watch the screen. As our team began to dream about 2022, we began to ask God. We began to beg him, really, for God, where are you leading? Where are you leading Kingsway in 2022? And it usually starts like that, right? It's... It's like this, you know, God, I have this great idea. Wait, God, is that what you are up to? God, is that what you're doing? And, you know, we've been through 
two of the most confusing years in church leadership in a very long time. And I know it's not only the church, it's, it's every leader throughout the world. Um, but, uh, but man, it's been, it's been a really, really hard two years to lead through and to look to the future as a leader. That's what you do. And uh, we've looked around at our church and so proud of what we've been able to accomplish and what God has done in these last two years. But, you know, so we're asking this question, like, who is with us? You know, what happened to roughly 30 or 40 percent of the church? Are they, are they watching online? If they are, are they with us? Um, you know, and, and every leader around the country is asking these same questions, every church leader. And so the executive team in August, we go away for an overnight retreat and we spend this retreat thinking about the past year, all that God has done, the ups, the downs, the roller coaster, and, uh, and we're talking, we're reminiscing, celebrating all that, that God has accomplished. Uh, we share a meal together and continue the celebration uh, and, and remembering really all that God has brought us through. And this conversation continues all day long. And at the end of the day, we end up on the back porch of this house and we, we begin to talk about this idea, this what if, what if every member serves at Kingsway in 2022? And we begin to dream about what this would look like. The three of us, Matt, Ben, Bullard, and myself, we're sharing our hearts, our excitements, our anxiety, honestly, some of our doubts about this idea, like what if every member served? And uh, we're throwing around this idea and what it would look like. And I mean, this seems like this would be incredible for the life of the church, something I've said a lot. It's the tide that will raise all ships across the board. And we have these incredible dreams for Kingsway, but our people have to grasp it. They have to be a part of it. It just can't be ours. It's what flows out of God's heart has to penetrate each person's heart that is a part of the church, a part of Kingsway. And I don't remember who it was, but one of us says out loud, do we really mean every member? Like, a hundred percent like every is that even possible and so we keep talking about it we keep wrestling with it and we keep praying about it and we get to the end of the retreat and, and we were left believing with all of our hearts and maybe a little bit of a doubt and no idea of the how we land on this wild and crazy goal that in this next year in 2022 every member will serve at kingsway so i keep asking god how in the world, how, 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 how are we gonna do this? Every member, God, are you sure? Every member, is that really what you mean? And I remember it was, it was the first week of October and Darren, our student pastor, he was sharing at a staff worship gathering uh, and he, he was sharing from Matthew 9 and he, he begins to share from verses 37 and 38 where it says, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And, and when he prayed that, when he, when he was talking about that, and then when he prayed and we began praying that prayer, those words from Matthew just hit me in this weird, but like good, weird way. And I, I don't even really know what it means, but they just like, it's like they kept bouncing around my head. And a few days later, I head out to one of my favorite spots to hike and to pray. It's out in Putnam County, uh, a little bit closer to where I live. And there is this awesome nature preserve out there. And I found this park and I've been walking there, uh, uh, the very similar trail each month for the last six months or so. But this day was different. And I didn't know how or why, but something was just different about the day. And so I begin walking up this trail and I, I'm, I'm walking up and I, I remember it's up a hill and I come alongside across this boulder and this, this rock on the side of, of the trail. And as I'm walking, I see, I see this stick, not like a branch, but like a, a hand carved, like walking stick leaned up against this rock. And it, it, it looked peculiar and it looked out of place. And I remember thinking like, that is weird, but I just kept walking and I get about 20 steps up the path beyond the rock and I pause and I look back at the stick and I see the words Luke 10 burnt into the side of the stick and at this point I probably feel like you feel listening to the story right now like 
God, what is happening? And that just seems weird and odd. And so I, I turn around and I go back and I pick up the stick and I pick it up and it has a note taped around the top. And it reads this, it says, to whoever finds this walking stick, may the Lord walk with you today. And at this point, I am just, I'm, I'm looking around, expecting somebody to walk out of the woods or somebody, a camera crew to, you know, feeling like I'm getting punked and is someone filming me, but I keep reading and, and the note goes on. I encourage you to add your favorite passage, make this stick a conversation piece and let it help spread the word of the Lord. And at this point, I, I begin to be overwhelmed, honestly. Just overwhelmed with the goodness of the Lord. And I don't even really know what it means, but I'm just overwhelmed by the moment. But also a bit confused um, and honestly not sure what to think. And in the midst of that, I just begin to start walking. I have this walking stick, I'm there to go on a hike. And I start walking with the, with the walking stick in hand. And as I'm walking, I'm just overcome with emotion. And I began to weep just thinking about how good our God is. And I weep every time I tell this story. And, uh, and I remember thinking, like, God, I'm not sure how this works, but this stick showed up out of nowhere. And I look, I'm looking down at the stick as I'm walking, and I'm like, who carved this thing? Like, it's not... It's really not pretty. It's not perfect by any means, but it sure looks perfect to me. Uh, and, and about that time, I get to my favorite spot in the park. It's up on top of this old rock quarry, and it's, it's looking down, and half of, when you look down, half of it looks like the desert, and then half of it is this beautiful pond, and, and it hits me like, wait, Luke 10. Yeah, it says Luke 10 on it, but what does it say in Luke 10? And so I pull out my phone, and I start reading in verse 1, and it says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he had planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. The same exact words from Matthew 9 that have been rattling around in my brain since I first heard them just a few days earlier. And then it goes on. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And in that moment, it hits me. That's the how. We have the strategy, but it's not really just about the strategy. Strategy is good, but, but how, God, are we going to do this? And he's, it's right there. He says, pray to the God of the harvest. Ask him. You see, church, this is where the story gets really cool. Because we as a staff, we as an executive team, we started to pray. And we started to ask God to send the workers. Walking back from the barn to the main entrance one day, doing a little praying, just surveying the campus, uh, just looking up and happy to notice we've got some lights out here and there. And like, man, that's not an easy job. It's not an easy task. You've either you got to get up there somehow. So as I'm standing there uh, assessing the situation, this bucket truck, lift truck, pulls around the corner up into the circle. He says, hey, he didn't know he was looking for me, but he was actually looking for me. And he said, I've got this truck, and when I'm off, I'd love to be able to help with it. So uh, there was an immediate need while I'm asking God about it. An immediate answer came. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time, but it was pretty spectacular. This guy still encourages me to this day with wanting to help, but still also telling me, hey, you're doing a good job. It's just, it's amazing. Praise God. We needed to individually package 1,800 cookies. We wanted to be financially responsible, so we needed to do it ourselves, and we needed the manpower. So we reached out to multiple life groups, and Susan Rhodes stepped up and said, I'll do it. And let me see who else I can get to come with me. She brought multiple people from her life group. Uh, there were staff members that their kiddos were on Christmas break. And so everyone put a mask on, wore gloves. Um, and it was just so neat to see the different age range. And it's just that reminder, too, that when our kids see us volunteering, that's a model. And so it was just, I know it did my heart well. 
And so I can only imagine what it did for our father. Debbie St. Martin's one of our Wednesday prayer team members, and I wasn't supposed to go this particular Wednesday to pray, but Lyndon asked me to fill in for him, so I jumped in. And we were the only two there, Debbie and I, and she, we finished praying. She said, you know, I've been feeling this movement from God to be a part of the Connect team. And I said, Debbie, you'd be great at that. Thank you so much. And so we talked, and just like that, because of prayer at the prayer time, Debbie said, I want to be a part of the Connect team, and she is connecting our church, whether it's filling in for Emily at the front desk every once in a while, or being one of the prayer partners in care ministry. I'm so thankful for her. So when we reopened for kids ministry, we saw a slow return rate as people were concerned about safety, health, many different things going on. Um, But over the past um, 18 months, whatever, August of 2020, we've seen 50 new people join the kids team and just bring energy, life, commitment, and investment into the lives of the kids, investing in these families that are part of our church family. Um, But we still need more, and we still are trying to figure out what that looks like. And we spend so much time coordinating and wanting to care for one another. But to see those new faces, to see the commitment they're making, to see the high school guy jump in and invest in teaching preschoolers, to see a full family come on board and take a prep thing off our plates during the week. There's been so many exciting things that we've seen happen in the past year. Can we just stop and say thank you, God? Love, love, love. Love my church. All right, I want to take you back to this text because I want to show you something really powerful that God revealed to me a couple years ago. Ready? Luke chapter 9. Now, what happens next in the story is Jesus brings the disciples back. And they start to talk about it. It worked. It worked. I did this thing with this demon and it worked. I healed this person. They were lame. It worked. This person was deaf. It worked. And Jesus is like, of course it worked. Of course it worked. Well, the next thing is, you know this, when you serve in ministry, it's exhausting, right? Those of you who do this, you know, you've got full-time lives, full-time jobs, full-time parents, full-time kids, whatever it is, it's exhausting when you give yourself. So Jesus takes the disciples on like a little mini retreat. Hey, let's get away. I'm just going to pour into you. It's going to be great. You need to rest, recover so you can go back out. It's critical that we do that. And so when they get out though, the problem is the people find out where they are and they start surrounding around. In fact, we're told almost 5,000 men, men alone. Some estimate that there could be between 10 and 15,000 women and children and men all together in this place. And Jesus starts to teach them because he doesn't want to miss an opportunity. So they're there and he starts to teach. And then all of a sudden it's getting late in the evening and Jesus goes, man, these people got to be hungry. And here's where we pick up our story. Luke chapter nine, verse 13. He replied to the disciples, hey, you give them something to eat. And they answered, Uh, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. There's about 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now, if you don't know the story, what happens next is Jesus takes those five loaves of bread, two fish. He thanks God for them. And then he feeds everybody. And you're like, cool story. The feeding of what we call the 5,000. Really cool story. And I think... For all of my life, I missed a key component to this story. Let me show it to you. So if you notice earlier, the disciples come to Jesus. Jesus, people have been here all day. They've been here following us. They've been listening to you, and they're hungry. They're tired. Send them home to eat. That's the setup. And then Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Now, this dawned on me a few years ago studying this text, so it's not the first time I've said it. But we have one of a few options that I could think of for what Jesus meant when he said that. Option number one, Jesus thought the disciples had some hidden stash that could feed between five and 15,000 people. These disciples, I mean, they just went out with no food or money or clothes, so maybe they brought back thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds or whatever of food. Now, I suspect Even though Jesus probably didn't know all the specific ins and outs of what each disciple was doing to make the group work, I suspect Jesus didn't see anybody lugging around enough food to make that a reality. So I'm going to throw that option out the window. Option number two, Jesus is being coy and mysterious. And sometimes Jesus does this, where he's like, you give them something to eat. And he's literally going, I'm going to do it. You know, that's what it's like, right? So Jesus knows, I'm going to ask them to do it. They're going to say, we can't do it. And Jesus is going to say, oh yeah, we can. Watch this, guys. And when he does pray, he does pray something interesting. Father, thank you for this opportunity to like, reveal yourself to these people. So that's a viable option, but I think option number three is even better. 
Here's option number three. Remember the setup. Context is king. The setup is go out. You have my authority. You have my power. Take nothing with you. Don't take money. Don't take clothes. Don't take a stick. Don't take anything. God is going to provide. And he did. And now it's time for a test. Now that I'm here, do you still believe that you have what it takes in my absence? Or are you going to sit on the sideline and wait for me to do everything? Are you with me? So when Jesus looks at the disciples and says, you give them something to eat, does he literally mean you give them something to eat? And he also knows they don't have hundreds or thousands of pounds of food sitting around. In other words, the same power that just allowed you to cast out demons, the same power that just allowed you to heal in my name, the same power that provided for you when you traveled and had nothing then is the same power you have here right now. Solve the problem. But the disciples go, we can't. We don't have what it takes. What if Jesus actually intended for them to feed them? I think Jesus is actually saying to them, you can feed them because I will provide. You can do it. You are all the resource you're going to need. You have everything you need for life and godliness in Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is no challenge in front of you that is so big, Jesus can't overcome it. And there is no challenge in front of you that you may think to yourself, if I just knew more, if I just had more, if I just more training, I just more time, just, 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 just. I'm just going, no, just me. I recently went to lunch with John Caldwell, our first senior pastor, the, the, the great man of God that I followed. And I often ask him questions at these lunches and I, and I was asking him a question. Like, hey, how would you handle this situation? And John kind of chuckled, sat back. He said, you know, Matt, you probably should have asked me that question when I was 25 years old and knew everything. <laughs> See, what happens as you get older, you realize, right? You realize you learn some things. And he said something to the effect of, Matt, the older I get, the more my answer is this, you need Jesus. I don't know how God's gonna solve it. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know all the nuances of all these situations, but I know this, Jesus, Jesus. And I believe Jesus is trying to get the disciples to believe that what he has given them is enough. And this is our biggest problem, my biggest problem. I'm way too focused on what I have in front of me. When I was a youth pastor and I was speaking like 45 times a year, my church would ask me to hold our student services after CIY. So you go to CIY, a lot of times that was following middle school camp, two weeks in a row, 80, 120 hour weeks. I got no voice left. I'm exhausted. I haven't slept in days on a spiritual high, but I'm depleted. And now I got to show up and write a sermon. I don't know when I'm going to write a sermon. I don't know how I'm going to write a sermon. I don't know what the world I'm going to say. And you can ask my wife. I would often be on my knees the night before going, God, I don't even want me to say. I'm so tired. I can't even think straight. And I would show up and be like, God, this is going to be so terrible. But I'm going to get the grace of the fact that we just got back from CIY. I get it. And it would always be the best sermon I preached all year. People would be repenting, giving their lives to Jesus, and they'd be coming to me and going, man, just do that every Sunday. They'd be like, I, I can't. I physically could not do that every Sunday. And you would hate it if I just showed up, just started talking off the top of my head every Sunday. But when God is in something, you will not be short on resources. You will have everything you need. You just have to believe. And here's the tension for all of us. Because we want to solve everything in our flesh. And not through the spirit. It was a handful or so years ago, our executive pastor at the time was Billy. And um, Billy wanted us to launch a missions movement in our church. And I'm so glad he did. But I remember we were short on leaders. And we were sitting in a meeting and trying to figure out how to problem solve it. And I wish we would have thought of this then. Just start praying. Ask God to raise somebody up. Instead, Billy looked at me and said, well, Matt, why don't you lead one? And I said, well, I can't. He said, why not? I said, well, first of all, I don't, my family's situation won't allow me to be gone for a week or two. He said, well, did you ask your wife? I said, well, no. He said, well, why don't you ask your wife? I later asked my wife. She's like, yeah, we could do that. I said, well, Billy, I, I've never led a missions trip before. He's like, you ever been on vacation? Well, yes. He's like, it's like taking a group of people on vacation. I was like, it is totally different. There's like an administrative piece. I don't have an administrative piece. He said, Pastor, don't you lead a church of well over a thousand people? I said, I don't want to talk about it. He said, 
He said, you're telling me you can organize a church of well over a thousand people, you can't lead 25 people on a mission field? I said, it's a totally different thing. I've never even been out of the country. I went to Taiwan to bring my son home. And uh, one time I, um, you know, I was in San Diego and Tijuana's not too far from the border. And I've been to Canada, but that's like diet America. Like I've never <laughs> really been out of the country before. And he's like, pastor, you've got this. He's like, didn't you used to be a youth pastor? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, how many kids do you have? Like 200? He's like, do you ever do trips? Well, yeah, but never mission trips. I didn't do the mission trips. We had somebody else do those. He's like, do you ever go to camp? Yeah. See how I, yeah. How many kids did you take? Well, one year we took like 100, 120 kids. So you can organize 100 teenagers to CIY, but you can't take 25 adults on the mission field. Next thing I know is in Peru. And I can't remember, I think we took 20 something adults from Kingsway. Some of those people are on staff now today. Some of them became elders. Some of them have ongoing relationship. And now that mission is one of our missions as a church because I led a trip to Peru because I stopped making excuses and I finally said yes. Thank you, two of you. All right. What God story is waiting for you to say yes it's so much easier to say no. But what God story, what breakthrough is waiting for you to say yes? Now it's powerful. As we get to chapter 10, where Brett quoted us, in chapter 10, verse one, it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, if you go read all of Luke 10, you'll see some unique differences. That sounds almost the same to Luke 9, but in Luke 9, he's sending out the 12. The 12 are the most trained. These are the other disciples. They are not as well trained. They don't know as much as, say, the staff. So if you read Luke 10, verses like three through six, what you find is he gives more instruction. He gives more encouragement, but essentially it's the same thing. Don't take any bag, don't take any staff, don't take any clothes, don't take any money. You are, only, you are the only resource you are going to need because God is going to use you. This is my text that says, what excuse do any of us have? But I've only been a believer for a year, okay? We could train up on that. We got roles in our church that'll fit you perfectly. But I got burned at my last church. I know, churches are a broken place full of broken people. This one's no better. But you can either join us in making it a healthier place or you can stand on the sideline frustrated. But I can't seem to find a place to connect. Well, then don't quit. Don't quit. Eternity is hanging in the balance. Now, this group goes out and they succeed. They start healing people and casting out demons and they come back and they have another powwow. And Jesus is like, tell me the stories. They're telling the stories, high-fiving each other or whatever they did that day, I don't know. And it was awesome, it was awesome. And then in Luke chapter 10, we read this. He replied, this is Jesus. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That was powerful about this. And in case you missed this, Jesus looked at them and said, today, today, I saw Satan fall like lightning. How? Well, because he took all of his authority, gave it to others who went out and did the things he does in the world. Now, this is in one place in the book of Luke. Jesus is being compared to a guy named Beelzebub. He's like a, a, this false demon. We'll just call it that for simplicity's sake. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. How can I be full of Beelzebub instead of Jesus? How can, I mean, sorry, the Holy Spirit. How can I be doing work on his behalf? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And then he makes this profound statement. No, 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 no. See, first, I must bind the strong man so that we can plunder his house. And what Jesus is trying to say is, when I'm done with my time here on earth, I will have bound Satan so that you can plunder his house. Now, what exactly does all that mean? This. Every time you come alongside a couple whose marriage is on the brink of ending and you come alongside them and say, don't quit, don't quit, let's go to lunch, let's talk about this, let me tell you what I've learned, let me pour out into you and their marriage gets saved, we see Satan fall like lightning. Yes. 
And every time somebody is battling depression and they feel overwhelmed and stressed out and you come alongside them and you say, I can't fix this for you, but you know what I could do? I could take your kids and give you a break. You know what I could do? I could pay for you to get some counseling. You know what I could do? I could provide a meal to help come alongside you in your time of struggles. And that person doesn't quit on God and they don't quit on life. I see Satan fall like lightning. And yeah, you can clap every time, but I'm going to keep going. We <laughs> and every single time a kid shows up here, you don't know their story. You don't know their background. You don't know the stuff they're dealing with at home. You don't know the stuff the parents are dealing with. And they're going to give God one chance, one shot at redemption. And they show up and they are blown away by the way that they are loved and cared for and nurtured. And they show up in these doors and someone greets them with a smile and says, want a warm cup of coffee? I don't know what you're going through. I can't fix it all for you, but I love you. We see Satan fall like lightning. And every time somebody's faith holds on because you came alongside them and you hold their hand or you join their small group or you listen to that still small voice and you text them and you call them, every time we see Satan fall like lightning because we're taking back his territory, God has bound the strong man and we're plundering his house. But he wins every time we do nothing. What battles in our world are waiting for you to engage? What names has God been putting on your heart, but you sit back unsure if you have enough money or clothes or training or resources? Is there something in your heart or in your life that you are giving yourself to so you don't have time because of oh, these sports or my job my video games, my vacations. And none of these things are evil. It's just they can become a tool in the hands of the enemy to distract you from what God wants to do in the world through you. What if Vision Sunday 2023 was literally just like hours of us telling God stories because God was so powerfully moving among a people who said yes. We'll find out. But I can promise you this. We've been going over your head. <laughs> we've been just going praying to the Lord of the harvest going, God, just mess these people up. <laughs> so right now, there's something in you that's feeling disrupted. It's not me. I'm telling you, I get passionate at home and, and, and my kids don't always do what I ask them to do. I'm not good enough to make what's happening in you happen. But God is. Let me show you one last passage and leave you with a challenge, okay? Jesus dies on the cross. He raises him from the dead. And right before he goes up into heaven, he says this in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I just need to ask, church, do you actually believe that God is with us? Jesus is literally with us, always. Like there's no moment of your life where you are secretly out of his sight. So if he is with you and he can see you, do you trust that he actually desires to meet your needs, to partner with you in this world? Think about it. All authority of heaven and earth was given to Jesus. And then he says, so go. In other words, just like with the 12 in Luke 9, just like with the 72 in Luke 10, now you. And every generation of Christian has taken this challenge up and said, I believe that God desires for me to partner with him in this world. I believe that God desires to make disciples, to baptize them, to fill them, to teach them, and somehow I'm gonna play my part. What about you? Here's my challenge, and I'm, I'm gonna be really bold. So if, just grace, okay? First, if you're at home right now, you're at home. I don't know which camera to look at. I'm gonna look at that one. If you're at home, and I get it, it's been a really hard two years, I know. And fear has won the day and Satan has divided our nation over everything under the sun and he's not done yet. But all authority under heaven and earth has been given to us. I wanna challenge you in 2022. Don't watch from home. Get here. Because when you're going through your stuff, somebody here, God is calling to serve you and love you, but we can't do that if we never see you. 
The church is not something we watch. The church is something we are. Dads, dads, if you're at home, lead your family, bring them here. I know sports are all the time on Sundays. Now, I know school is all the time. I know life is happening, and I know COVID is real. I'm not denying the realness of COVID. I'm not saying there aren't real challenges we may have to face. I'm only saying lead your families into a relationship with God. You will not regret it. Now, if you're at home and you feel God tugging on your heart, I just want you to text the word serve to 317-565-4911. Fill out the form. Now, if you're in this place, you can always text that number, but I wanna encourage you to pull this out. And I want you to pull out your cell phone. And now that people know I have my cell phone, I'm about to get 35 text messages just to see. This is called a QR code on the back. I realize most of us know, but just in case. I can't troubleshoot all your problems. I'm not that smart. But what you do is you take out your phone, you open up the camera, you point your camera at that QR code. Just like when you go to a restaurant throughout the pandemic, right? And they had a menu online. What will happen if you point that camera at your phone should theoretically take care of the rest. Thank you very much, whoever just texted me. Thank you. <laughs> and what I want you to do is follow the link. Follow the link and get plugged in. Because here's what can happen if not. Some of our volunteers who serve every single Sunday because they've already taken up this challenge, they get tired and they get burned out. And sooner or later, they'll just find a new church because they'll feel isolated and alone. And you don't want that, and neither do I. So step up, step in, and let's see what God could do. All right, let's pray to the Lord of the harvest. Ready? God, the harvest is plentiful. There are tens of thousands of people in our area, our area, who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. God, we want to go to heaven when we die. We want to take as many people with us as we can. So Father, I pray that you would help us individually and corporately. Whatever you're calling us to do, help us to be a people of yes. God, help us to get rid of our fears and anxieties about not knowing enough or not having enough, not enough training or not enough whatever. Help us to step into the mess. And God, help us to just follow your lead. And God, may we find that you really are enough for us. God, build something beautiful. May our Vision Sunday next year just be filled with story after story after story of ways that we took ground from the enemy and we didn't give it back. And we love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. See you at six o'clock tonight. God bless.